Hello, welcome to episode 42 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to The Power and the Glory by Gentle Giant. If this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. We aim to educate and inspire all of our listeners to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. We are... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the emphasis on rock. We are honored that you're with us. We would love to connect with you guys. Seriously, we, we really want to connect with every single one of you because we know that the progressive rock community is quite small. So please come join us on our Discord server. You can follow us on Instagram and, uh, and or Facebook. All of these links are in the episode's description. And we always want to say thank you to every single patron that helps these episodes happen. You can become a patron by visiting our brand new website that we just launched, which is www, of course, prognotespodcast.com. Or you could just head on over to patreon.com slash prognotes. We now have a blog. We have a store. You can buy, like, merch and stuff like that. It's really cool. So go check that out if you want to. The Power and the Glory is the sixth studio album of their 11, released by the British progressive rock band Gentle Giant. It was released on September 22nd, 1974. The personnel for this record include Gary Green, Kerry Minier, Derek Shulman, Ray Shulman, and John Weathers. The band formed in 1970 by three brothers who teamed up with two other multi-instrumentalists. Something very unique about Gentle Giant is that three brothers are in the band, Though after their fourth album, Octopus, the eldest brother, Phil Shulman, left the band. And I just have a quick quote to say about why he left in 2008. He says this, Growing up, family, two sons, lovely little daughter, and a wife who was getting lonelier and lonelier. No decision, really. It was a foregone conclusion. My brothers, in fact, quite frankly, wouldn't speak to me for years afterwards because I said, that's it, I'm going. I've got to go back to my family, and I've got to go back to being a normal man. I'm not saying how important or not important I was to the group or anything like that, but my brothers thought that was the end of the band, and that's absurd. When five-sixths of the band are still there and I go, no trouble, and they did. They carried on for seven more years, folks, and that was touring the world and getting great acclaim as a very fine five-piece outfit. But for me, it was the only thing to do. It obviously took something away because I wasn't able to listen to music for a few years afterwards. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Now, uh, Phil was one of one of the primary composers in the band. The fans of Gentle Giant usually say that his influence gave an introspective feeling to the music. And following Octopus in 1972, the band released In a Glass House a concept album, question mark, as a five-piece band, following the masterful In a Glass House and preceding the band's commercial apex. Freehand, The Power and the Glory, is to fans a gem amongst gems, and especially in the prog rock community, and uh, mixing their ritless energy, uh, invention, beautiful melodies, potent, complex rock, riff, rock, rock riffage. Wow, rock riffage. And so uh, this this band and album, especially, I think this is the second album after Phil left. So um, just a little bit of perspective there, and we're not going to go into some deep history of the band. Because we did an episode on their debut album. Uh, I think it was like, I don't know what, what it was. It was maybe two years I ago. I think episode, we did that. Yeah. It was like two years ago. 17 or something Seven, like that. Yeah, something like that. So you guys can go check that out. Um, and we'll be referencing maybe a little bit of, of that album that we reviewed and listened to in accordance with this one. But before we go into any of that, uh, Drew, what were some of the reviews? Did we find any reviews at the time of when this was released? Is everything kind of afterwards or... <laughs> Yeah, I've just I've just looked up some of what Gentle Giant fans have to say, and I think that's pretty appropriate. 
uh, yeah, you know, because it, like Gentle Giant is a, a Gentle Giant man's band in this. It's a prog rockers band. They're yeah. very they're pretty niche um, in a sense. They're definitely progressive rock. And we'll go into specifically more about that later, like what makes them like super niche and progressive rock or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, most of the reviews I found are modern ish, you know, like at least 2000 or after sure. from gentle giant fans. Um, and it reached it. Well, it, uh, first it reached charting wise 78. I think it peaked at 78 on the U S billboard charts, which fun fact, that was their most successful U S release up to that point. It's just pretty that was interesting to me for such an experimental album. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Gentle yeah. Giant's always just kind of out there anyways, but th this is a pretty out there album too. There's a lot of parts that are really, really cool. And a lot of parts that are just really kind of jarring. Again, we'll get into more of that later, but I just thought that was interesting that that was, this was the highest they had done up to that point, up to that point. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Prague Archives gave it a 4.31 out of 5 out of um, close to 1,700 users. That's no 49, shocker there. Yeah, 49% gave it a 5 out of 5. 35% gave it a 4 out of 5. So 84% of people who voted on this that thought that it was pretty great. Um, <clears throat> someone on there who really enjoyed the album said, The Power and the Glory is a stellar album from a terrific, supremely talented, and important early prog act though perhaps not the easiest introduction to gentle giant this excellent disc is yet a must for fans and deserves inclusion in the thinking progressive rock listeners library uh -huh. complex challenging music certainly and not for everyone but for those in the know essential so i thought that was interesting and honestly i thought that was a a great summary i thought that was a great summary of yeah this record it it, it echoed a lot of my sentiments as well um <clears throat> i found someone else online that said the power and the glory is revered by many as one of the strongest of all gentle giants releases undoubtedly this is one of the uh one of the most aggressively challenging and complex progressive albums that gentle giant ever sorry ever released which of course means that it's one of the most aggressively challenging and complex albums ever made in progressive rock music and i had a question dustin do you agree with that Ooh. uh one of the most technically challenging aggressively challenging and complex albums ever made in progressive rock music oh now i i don't know if i don't know if i can give just a blanket yes or no statement there just i know i don't i don't know what i don't know but in in yeah. the repertoire of music let's just stick with the repertoire of that music you've that heard i know that i've that you listened know to yeah this would this would be this would be up there um, I think, yeah. I, I think, I think it's up there. Uh, and in fact, I believe that for gentle giant they're like you said before, they're a niche band. They're really interesting. And honestly, it's been a hot minute since I've gone back and listened to some, to some seventies prog and you know, the, the, the sounds that I'm talking about, um, uh -huh. and the harpsichord, the mellotron, like the, the that vibraphone. Yeah. The, the vibraphones and the, and the kind of, kind of that, and yeah like, yeah all yeah. of that stuff that they got going on and so um from a compositional standpoint i would say absolutely uh yeah it, it is this is this is a this is wacky and this i, I is, know i, I kind of got into it with with you off air when we were talking about this but when i was i told you i think off air that so sincere is probably i've never heard anything like that 
I've never heard anything like that before. Um, and even something like proclamation. There's nothing that I've heard that uh-huh. sounds like this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I haven't I heard totally anything agree. like this. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's it's differentiates enough from a band like Yes, because of honestly, I think some of the grooviness. Um, yeah, and uh, as well as the multi instrumentalist kind of th- that kind of thing going on, um, Showman's voice, all of that. So I, you know, long answer to say this, but I, I would. I would put you it would up agree. there. I would have put it up there. You would yeah. you would relatively agree. Like yes. that's not an absurd statement for no, one to No, no, it's not. That's that's yeah, that's actually a better thing to say. This that's <laughs> not an absurd thing to say. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um one last uh review I had, which is very basic, very run of the mill. Uh but I thought it was was interesting. Um another positive one. Um this was a a user um well First, let me say, All Music gave it, out of 367 users, um, All Music gave it an aggregate score of 4.5 out of 5. So, the you know, and that's the people who know this record, mm-hmm. right, already. So they clearly like it. Um, a user said, The Power and the Glory offers excellent performances, world-class songwriting, and great sound quality. Which I agree, especially compared to their first record. I think that's something to note. Yeah. Uh, and we'll kind of... We'll kind of compare those later. Cogs and Cogs, one of the tracks on there, as yeah. an example, is an amazing song of great intensity. The arrangement on, like you mentioned, Destin, So Sincere, is very clever. This is an essential Gentle Giant album for any follower of the group. Um, I think any so, any Gentle Giant fan is going to say that every single say Gentle that every Giant album, album is, is, essential is essential to Gentle Giant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe some more than others, but it's maybe minus the debut. Because I think right. the debut is probably their least proggy album. Yeah, and even then, it's very much prog. It but is. But like, compared, especially to stuff that was was being written at the time, like this was still early progressive rock, and their yeah. first album was definitely out of the box for the realm of like regular rock. Yep. I mean, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure it was released in 1970. Yep. So that's a year after "quote unquote" the first prog rock album in yep. the Crimson King. So. Yeah. Still very if, early if, on. If the, you want to make that argument, then no, I, I, yeah, I totally yeah, exactly. understand. Yeah. A lot of music historians dub that. Yeah, they, they have labeled in the court of the Crimson King as the first one. All right, and that was 1969. So then we've got Gentle Giant coming just a year later, um, with their record. And like you said, um, this album, you know, sixth album, so five albums later, is much more proggy, quote unquote. They definitely evolved as a group. And again, we'll kind of go into that. A little bit more later but um uh yeah I, I think a lot of people who are gentle giant fans are really going to enjoy lots of their records i mean how did they, how many did they put out about 10 i think they put 11 they put out 11 albums. 10 or 11 out um but on a lot of the the reviews i had read a lot of people said hey if you had to narrow it down or whittle it down to like four or mm. five re- records that they put out, this almost always would be, this record, The Power and the Glory, would make at least the top five. Mm. It, would, it would make the top half. Yeah. Um, I think I, I read a couple of reviews that said, yeah, this is in their, this is one of their better albums. I mean, you know, so. Um, yeah. All that yeah. to say, if you're a Gentle Giant fan, if you're a prog rock fan in general, this is an album that you should 
definitely check out. And I agree. Um, I mean, I haven't heard all of <clears throat> Gentle Giant's catalog, um, but I enjoy this. And part of the reason we actually picked this episode, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think I heard Proclamation and right. I was like, Destin. <laughs> Destin, we got to do this. Yeah. Like, Th- this right here, like what we're listening to, just this breakdown. And it's really delicate. And then it gets into this, yeah, it's really cool group. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Just the yep. beginning. That I, riff, that keyboard riff, it's so magnetic. It's so bouncy and it just draws you in. And I was like, if we're going to do another Gentle Giant album, like let's try this one th- this opener this is one. just so magnetic and yeah I, I really enjoyed the rest of the record too but anyways. no it's it's great it's it's all that to say all that to say yeah uh very positive reviews from most from most people uh, yeah i mean you're obviously going to get a couple of naysayers but yeah so uh according to or contrary to popular belief uh and i'll just go ahead and throw this out there for everybody the title of the album and it's Many lyrical themes were not inspired by author Graham Greene's novel of the same name, although the band was aware of the book, it seems. Um, so there's a popular book that was out called The Power and the Glory by Graham Greene. Um, and uh, this is not based on that, if you're, if you're familiar with that book. Um, and just uh, I have a little some quotes here from Derek just kind of give a little bit more insight, I guess, to the overall uh, point of this of this record. This is a quote from Derek. Shulman, one of the brothers, he said, we tried to get a more spontaneous feel by doing it all on first and second takes. All giant albums up to this point, the majority of the tracks, I know, right? Uh, The majority of the tracks were brought into the studio by the writing partnership of Derek, Ray, and and Carrie, with maybe a couple of numbers added as sessions progressed. Um, They're uh, continuing on here. Two of the two of the songs in this album, Proclamation, So Sincere, the first and the second track, were revisited on the live album, Playing the Fool, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting live album. Comparisons with the original are different. So Sincere particularly was basically transformed into like a 10-minute, 10 10-minute-plus, uh, 10 like, percussive Whoa. extravaganza. Whoa. Like just oh yeah it's crazy it's uh like they're all playing different drum parts and everything because they're all multi-instrumentalists like this band in in the modern world of things if you guys ever heard of a band called mute math they remind me of them like every single person in the band can play everybody else's instrument so it's just right. kind of like you do this and i'll do this and we'll just do this and let's do this and we all play well, drums uh, like, we have mentioned yeah. that on the the our you know episode 17 when we review their debut album and yeah. i I, I, it, the same feeling came and, you know, like you said, it was like a year and a half ago, at least maybe two years ago, um, that we reviewed that, but the exact same sentiment, it had been a long time. Same thing came to my mind. I was like, it's just incredible. The amount of musicianship that these guys have. Yeah. And a fun fact, <clears throat> I saw an interview with Derek Schulman when he was saying, when we first started out, we weren't trying to be progressive rock. It's so funny. Cause I feel like a lot of prog rockers say that. Uh, I guess it's because <laughs> the term do. hadn't really like caught fire yet or anything. Maybe yeah, that's why true. they say that. Um, anyways, um, they say they weren't trying. They knew they were trying to be different and kind of experiment around. But he framed it this way. He was saying something to the effect of, um, we weren't necessarily trying to be progressive rock or edgier than anyone else. We did start out with a very sincere ambition to become better musicians. 
Ooh, we wanted to really quote. round out our musicianship. Um, now, I'm not reading a direct quote. This is oh. just what I remember him saying. But that was oh that wow, was, that was close to exactly what he said. He said we really tr- strived to become better musicians, and this music allowed us to explore a lot of that space of of huh. you know what how much further can I push myself, right? And not only that, not just technical musicianship. Like I'm sure. Maybe I'm extrapolating a little too much here from him. Not just great musician, but songwriter. I think that kind of is a facet of a musician mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, when people say musicianship, I think a lot of times you just veer towards, you know, technical ability. Yeah. What yeah, yeah, can yeah. you do? But I think a great musician is also someone who can someone who can not only push themselves in that sense, but also still try to maintain that sense of, well, does this work though? Like, yes, I can do that like to what end yeah why would i do that oh because it makes this sound really good that's why not just because i can you know so that's interesting that's kind of like a kind of a maybe you could compare that to sort of a king crimson mindset you know where it's the not a band but a way of thinking kind of thing like it was almost as if right kind of like a there was a certain higher why than just to let's yeah let's be a band there is like the let's be better musicians better song whatever and and i hope that would be everybody's goal as as a musician as you progress as musicians and write new albums and stuff like that but that's kind of the same with that king crimson mindset there is a right. reason why king crimson does this like when we're here this is why we try to attempt this and so right which is uh yeah some parallels that, there absolutely and I think that's kind of a mentality of, or at the very least, the early progressive rock movement. That's kind of just a mentality of the genre in general. Yep, um, it's true. You know, it's pushing yourself as, hey, let's do something that might be a little hard, but it'll sound really cool. It'll be really experimental. Let's try that. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, and just trying to think a little bit more critically. So anyways, um, I just thought that that was interesting. Oh, it's that, definitely worth noting. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, and on, on you were talking about just, thoughts on the album and and Derek's thoughts. He also said, now this is a direct quote that he had an interview with ultimate classic rock back in 2014, when he was looking back on the power and the glory, he said, a band is born, has a childhood and then goes into adulthood. I think we became an adult on the power and the glory. Hmm. It was the culmination of our best. uh, Sorry. It was a culmination of the best of our musicianship coming together as a band. It was a golden period for the band. Hmm. So he looks back on this fondly as a very uh, turning point, fertile yeah. time for the band. Yeah, that's definitely that. And and that's there's just nothing they to really deny growing. about this about Gentle Giant and their insane just technical ability. Like there's just nothing to deny about that. And I think that's part of the reason why it, you know for the progressive rock community, it's so hard i would it would be incredibly hard i think to introduce someone who is not familiar with anything in this subgenre to go straight to gentle giant oh i totally agree yeah there this is the, a i mean this is the of deep a, end of the pool yes this it is, is the, this is the deep end of the pool yes it is and it's it's a maybe my perspective is just different than somebody else. I would love to hear a perspective of somebody who has never heard anything like this before, like anything in the progressive rock, like somebody who is like, who's Rush? You know, something like that. Who's Pink Floyd? I've heard of them, but I've never heard one of their albums. I would want to know somebody like that coming into this and see how accessible some of this is. Because, I know. <laughs> because Proclamation to me, 
and playing the game and aspirations and even some of the parts in Valedictory are like really accessible but groovy. As- but also aspirations th- is very accessible. It's yes, very it soft yes, and it's, it is. it's almost like a lullaby. Yeah. Like it's, it's But it's nice. got enough it's got enough of that groove where people can latch onto some of that thing going on. Yes, yeah. they do have polyrhythmic things going on and they got different things layered on top of each other and all that and the sections are kind of jarring in certain moments, kind of like that part in Proclamation Valedictory with the, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, very dissonant, discordant type yes. of. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which can kind of take the rug out underneath from somebody. But kind of take the the wind out of the, the wind out of the sails, <laughs> a little air out of the tires, air out of the tires there. Yeah, a little, little take the bullet out of the gun there. Jeez, take the water out of the ocean there. Out of or? thimble. <laughs> out of thimble. <laughs> All right, we're done. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just I, maybe I'm ranting too much about that. But there's just nothing to deny about that. It's just it's so fascinating to me. And some of these songs on here are fascinating to me. I can't say that I like. It's really weird. I'm not gravitated this album in certain areas by enjoyment. I'm gravitated to it by how like I'm I'm trying to grasp my head around what the heck is going on. Like so sincere, the song <laughs> that we're listening to right now. Yeah, well, that it's is funny you mentioned. Yeah. So sincere, the official. So I read a review earlier from a user on All Music. Oh, the man. official review oh, on All Music by Bruce Eater made me laugh uh, <laughs> because I was like, he ha- he has to be making a mistake. Like he 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 was referring to another song on the album. There's no way he has to be making. <laughs> he has to be. For well, here here's the whole quote because there are two parts I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, the Power and the Glory, this is by Bruce Eater. Uh, he gave it a three out of five. He didn't okay. have anything scathing to say, but this was just a little excerpt that I thought was interesting. The Power and the Glory vaguely resembled Genesis's early art rock albums, but without any pretense as charismatic as Peter Gabriel. That was interesting. I want to go back to that. Yeah, but this is the part yeah. that I find funny. Playing the game and so sincere were the most accessible tracks and ended up as key parts of their concert set. And I was like, no. So sincere? Well, I mean, when he's, he's talking about a live set? Did, he's talk, did, he, did he mention live? Well, he court? says they were the most accessible tracks, and then they ended up as key parts of their concert set. Now, they may have ended up as p- key parts of their set, maybe. Which, which I think so because of the thing that I mentioned before. Yeah, you said you had heard a extravaganza yeah. percu- percussive piece thing, that, which is probably like a super high energy fun thing that people really, really enjoyed watching. Right. I could now, I could totally agree with that. But making it, I, saying that it's the most accessible on the record? I'm not, yeah, I'm not like, that's the, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I'm not in like the, the, the gentle giant fandom, like where I know a lot of the stuff where it's like, yeah, So Sincere is a classic and you always have to listen to it. Like, so I don't know. In that context, maybe in a vacuum. <laughs> So sincere is not accessible. No, no it's, it's not. not bad, but it's not it's not something that you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, a lot of people could really bob their yeah. head to this. They yeah, could, no. 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 Fun, funny thing about that song is that, you know, so I'm listening to this thing. I'm listening to that song, I think for the very first time. Because uh, for and we should be clear about this is that I think this is the first time that you and I have listened to this record end to end was preparing for this show. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in, in us doing that, you know, I'm listening to so sincere and I'm going through this and I'm like, okay, what is going on? And I was, <laughs> I was, 
what is happening right here? And I got so enthralled, not from this point of like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm just like, it's like technical and I'm enjoying every single bit of it. But it was this more of like, I'm captivated by what is happening to my ears right now. And so in classic fashion, I took it to my wife and I'm like, hey, listen to this. You have to listen to this. Beca not, not because I enjoy it so much, but because- oh, you have to you have to hear what the heck is going on. And I remember I'm quoting here. She's like, I'm playing it for her. And it gets to the part of the chorus. So it's like, so right, that whole that yeah. whole part. Playing to that part. And she's going, I don't enjoy this. It's like it just got what this what? I don't I don't like this. I don't like this. It was just like from the from the from the perspective of somebody who is not captivated by what the heck is going on. It's just melodically, this isn't grabbing me. This isn't mm -hmm. grabbing me at all, which I get it. But there's just something about it. And maybe it's because I'm a musician. Maybe I'm coming from that perspective of being the musician. And in fact, I got so enthralled right. with the song, I decided to go back and remake the song. So I'll play for everybody my cover of So Sincere at the end of the episode. But that's besides the fact. I was That's how enthralled I was with that track specifically, is that I wanted to go and break down the pieces to see what the frick was going on with this thing because it just didn't make any sense to me. But that's a draw to this, I think, from an analytical standpoint, outside of the outside of the just the musical enjoyment, like this is an album you can analyze front and back, left to right, up and down. And you could we could be here for two hours. We could do an entire we could do grow by Chon again. We could do that episode, that format, we could do with this album because right. of what's going on. That's We're, not to say that it's math rock per se. It's not math rock. No, but I mean there are mathy elements going on, like uh like I don't know, like some of the symmetry happening with like proclamation and valedictory, and then like the main guitar theme. Uh, begins validatory, comes back as a keyboard part and proclamation about two minutes into the song. I have these things like written down because I was looking at like some of the things that were going on. And then the theme and validatory yeah. is then interleaved with itself on bass and organ, which if you're if you're into like sort of the music theory, it's called a stretto, if you're into that kind of musical terminology. But lyrically, some of the lines and proclamation uh, it can change. It can stay the same. Right? Are reflected backwards. There's an, there's an asymmetry there. It's yes. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Things it's, must stay the same. Yeah. And valedictory instead of it's backwards. Things yep. must stay. Can there exactly. can be no change. No right. Change. So there's exactly. So there's like weird stuff like that yeah. that's going on. Uh, the middle section of Cogs and Cogs. There's two vocal parts that are in very different meters. I was trying to count this yep. thing out. I may do a, like a bonus episode on this at one someday because I thought it was really interesting. The first part. The circle turns around, changing the voice's calling is in uh, six four. But then the second one, circle turns around, the changing voices is in fifteen eight. So which means that the two melodies line up differently in five different ways. The phrases meet. If you go back and count this, the phrases meet every sixty eighth notes. It's yeah, well, yeah. It's, now that's like that's math. Now that's verging on math. Rock, that's yeah. mathy. Well, you and know? it works with the. Uh, I'll be honest. It's a perfect title, Cogs and Cogs. I know, kinda, right, right. That's that's a perfect. It's uh, pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it, it yeah, really is. If if you're title. into that thing, if you're into that thing, then you'll love this record. You'll love going through this and just listening to some of the things that are going. On. You really will. You'll enjoy it. Um, kind of like I did with s some of the parts and stuff like that, but. Um, 
yeah so that's that's just that's everything i have to say on that on that subject well and it's funny because a lot of that seems like okay why would i listen to that because it just seems very technical or whatever gentle giant in my opinion we're kind of getting more into our opinions here yeah but i feel like that was a proper segue to just segue against that yeah um gentle giant is incredibly melodic yeah it's really weird because they have some parts that, like I said, I've used the term dissonant or discordant earlier. Yes. It's very kind of jarring or disjointed. And I think on the whole, the record is disjointed. It doesn't flow like a Pink Floyd record would or anything like that. Um, it's There are lots of different parts and there are a lot of different riffs, but those riffs are really creative and they're good. They're very interesting, mm-hmm. catchy melodies. They're complicated, but they're pleasant to hear. And so, but but then you've also got these, but then you've also got these songs like So Sincere and all this stuff where it's like, that's not a very good melody or whatever. But they, the thing with Gentle Giant is they cover the whole breadth. They cover the whole spectrum. And where it's like, okay, that part was really good. That one wasn't, but hey, they experimented with it and they tried it. But they cover a lot of ground on this record alone. They do. I think they cover even more than they do on their initial record. Oh, absolutely. On their, on, you know, on their debut album so but they cover a lot just on this record and a lot of it is whoa those are really interesting nice pleasing melodies that i just i I never hear anywhere else yeah i never hear that kind of stuff but that sounds so good and then you've also got something contrasting right against it and you're like that's just a little too much it's just a little all over the place yep so they're kind of a yeah they're they're kind of weird it makes sense why they're like kind of a niche group yeah. Because the parts that are there are really great, but you also kind of have to weed through some of this stuff that I wouldn't say is just outright bad. Like, I didn't, like, absolutely, absolutely hate anything on this record. But there are parts here and there where I'm like, okay, we're getting through this part. But don't worry, in, like, 30 seconds, there's going to be an amazing part. It, it's just kind of, it's that kind of yeah, feeling. Kind it's kind of weird. It's really weird. They're weird. Yeah. This band, I think, is willing to they're willing to walk on solid ground, meaning that they're they're willing to have a solid foundation of like where they're planting their music. Something like this. Aspirations. Clear backbeat, clear melody, clear structure in terms of their of their songs. But then you can get into the water a little bit on songs like Proclamation or So Sincere where things are kind of just firing in all different directions and there's some sort of underlying meter or something that's happening. And I think that's kind of like part of that contrast, like being off the deep end, you know, but also kind of walking on solid ground a little bit. But, you know, another thought that just came to me is that I think that when it comes to some of that math rock material, and I'm going to talk about the, Briefly, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about math rock here, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think there's there's a style, and I think we kind of briefly touched on this with something like Chan, because we, we say that we both enjoy Chan. If you haven't heard of Chan, you can go check out our episode. We did a full two-hour analysis, very musical-heavy analysis, because they're an instrumental band, well, for the most part, on their album Grow. And for this... There, there is some of that like interplay, interweaving kind of things going on 
but they interweave melodies. It's not this kind of like you know, which is I feel like some of that math mathy material, at least there's certain areas and pockets of math rock that I really enjoy. Totally. But and most of it falls into something kind of like this where the melodies are interesting and pleasing, but they interweave this kind of stuff to to kind of bend yeah, yeah, yeah. time a little bit rather than it all just kind of like, okay, we're going to play 1916 and it's just going to be very jagged. Like yeah, everything very is jagged. Really... Where do we place the hits? Yes. You know, within yeah. that, do we place it on the and or the Andy or, yes. you know what I mean? Like it's the like, one E, Andy, two E. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when I think of a very typical math rock band, it's like, okay, drums are going to be playing in, let's, in 15. Let's say that they're playing in 15, eight, but guess what? The guitars are going to be playing in six and, and the keyboards, they're going to mm-hmm. be playing in four, four. And what we'll do is that we'll take the least common denominator and all of those patterns line up and we'll hit the one. So it makes sense. It's yeah. kind of, kind of that thing going on. And with this, it's like they're interweaving <laughs> to a certain degree yeah, and kind of going in and out with different melodies and stuff like that. And they're all kind of firing in different cylinders in certain areas. Not all, right. not all. That's not the whole album at all. Um, like I said, something like Aspirations is something different than that. But it kind of just makes a little bit more sense. It seems just a little bit more intentional with how they're placing some of these melodies. And they are. You're right. Like, they're good. They're good melodies. That... Oh, it's so good. And even some of the bass lines. The bass lines are like... Are really groovy, and even that guitar part that we listened to the very beginning of the episode of Validatory, like the that's a that's a rocking guitar part. The melodies are just good. They're good at writing melodies and and melodic structure, yeah, for their music. But yeah, what makes yeah. them super interesting and what makes them a little bit more out there and maybe less accessible, in my personal opinion, is the way that they compose their songs and the structures yeah. of the things that's going on. But when you Lots. break it all down. They got great melodies, like great stuff to latch on to that you're like, yeah. oh, this is sick. Like, this yeah. is cool stuff. So, no, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of our thoughts on it. As far as the the concept and maybe some of the like history yeah. around it. Um, briefly touch on that for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I wanted to briefly do it just because it's prog rock. So you got to mention if there's a concept album or not. Uh-huh. This is, I think, yes, it's a concept album. I think anyone would say, yes, it is. Um I'll read a couple quotes about it. The album's concept focuses on an individual who means to do good using political power, finds himself tempted to abuse the power as have all of those who have come before and ultimately becomes what he fought against. Um, This next quote is from Derek Shulman. The concept for the album was based on the corruption of power and how people on the bottom are affected by the people on top. Money and power will win no matter what. And the people that are hoping for the best won't usually get the best. So, um, I, I don't get the feeling that this is a concept album throughout besides the symmetry of Proclamation and Valedictory. Yep. Now, it's kinda, it's I love Sergeant, both of those songs. It's a Sergeant Pepper situation. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, yeah. It's a Sergeant Pepper not situation. Not entirely, because I think that, like, a lot of the songs do pertain. Yes. Yes. You're right. To a little bit more of an underlying theme within yeah, the Yeah. There lyrics. are underlying themes within more. But yeah. But there's than no, like, Sergeant Peppers. There's, exactly. There's no, like, st- 
story, really, to yeah. latch on to. No narrative. And if there are any Gentle Giant fans, I'm sorry if there is, and I just didn't do my research. But I looked through the lyrics, and I was like, okay, yeah, again, common themes throughout all this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, which is more than you can say for Sgt. Pepper's, like the image, you know, the meat and the sandwich of those, of that album is, you know, there's no... There's no real thread connecting them. Yeah, I have a question. I have a question for you. If, if, if eight songs on an album, uh huh, are let's take, if eight songs on an album are all talking about the same themes, let's say that they're all, let's say that the all eight songs are talking about politics. Okay, sure. Is that a concept album, or yeah. or, or does it have to be eight songs that tell a narrative story no. throughout those? eight No, songs? it it, it works. It's a concept album. If you're centering yeah. it all around a concept, one specific concept, yeah. Even if you don't have a fictional character that you're wrapping it around, or a different like uh, world that you have created, or whatever, right? If you've gone into it, especially with the intentionality of this, will be all about. Uh, specific types of emotion. Like, I'm going to make a concept album, basically, that's inside out. Like, you know, the the Pixar. <laughs> like, if you're going to make like a, a concept album about, like, emotions, okay, yep. that's yep. a concept album, even if you don't have characters to connect each of those songs or whatever. Right. Um, I, so, yeah, I'm not saying that this is not a... This is. Um, it's just... Again, it's so disjointed, and besides the one little callback with valedictory to proclamation which by the way is amazing yeah i love that um i don't get very many feelings of like oh this is a specific character evolving throughout these songs or he's learning this and he's learning that and he becomes corrupt because of this like this event happens to him to make him corrupt to make him the corrupt politician that he never wanted to be but ultimately becomes like that's what they're saying the concept is and i'm like okay i get that at the very end but what's his journey along the way? Because right. in the beginning, you're making it seem like we are following a protagonist. And then throughout the rest of the record, I don't get that. And then suddenly at the end, he became evil. And I was like, okay. Like, I get that's what happens in politics. I mean, it does. Like, I get that. And I, I dig the idea of the concept. But, like, narratively, I don't really get like the journey you're going on to sure. get to that cool ending. It was just, anyways. Um, it sounds very uh, like Machiavellian to me, to like for, about like kind of those who dabble in politics and dealing with politics and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the idea that politics corrupts and like yeah. ostensibly like this was inspired by the Watergate scandal. Is it? So, well, that's a, that was something that I found online of like. People are well, that's about... why I use the word ostensibly. Okay. It's because okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard a lot of people say that, you know, oh, this is was. this? Or a or lot of people not? thought it was. Yeah. And then I think the band themselves said, no, it wasn't. I think yeah. the band said, w- w- they deny that that was a direct influence on this album. It may have been a subconscious influence, just a lot of the stuff that was going on during the time in the 1970s in general. Right. Right, um, but I mean, how much information so. do you have on Watergate in terms of kind of research right now? Do you have anything? I, I, I watched a that? little synopsis video or whatever. Synopsis uh, of it. What, yeah, the idea, the idea of Richard Nixon's administration interfering with the DNC, right? The uh, Democratic National Committee, I think. 
Uh-huh. If I'm not mistaken. I'm going to be so wrong. <laughs> Pardon me if that is not what it stands for or if that's not even the abbreviation because I am not a po- political science major. Uh, I'm not a historian. This is really embarrassing, though, because it's a seminal moment in American history, though. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up for you. Hold on. And, oh, great. Thanks for fact-checking. Yeah, yeah just keep Anyways, talking. I'll, I'll fix it up. The, the Watergate Hotel forgetting where it was located uh which city but that's where the the watergate hotel yes the watergate washington dc it was in washington okay yeah um the republican party richard nixon's administration tampered with the the democratic party's uh you know polling system their their strategy um so anyways it's yeah. basically saying that you know the, the president of the United States is supposed to be you're supposed to hold that office with honor right like any leadership position in any at all right and this is the leader of the free world so you know you're supposed to be held to a higher standard and he had his people tamper with it so that he would have a better outcome during the next election blah 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 uh, two years in he resigned after this because there were investigations going on for you know a couple of years about two years and, uh, you know, they found several stacks of evidence against him. And so he could either resign or impeach. And he obviously decided to resign. And anyways, very famous. Everyone already knows about it. Uh, basically, that's why I kept it brief. Um, yeah. So uh, you were right. The Democratic National Committee. The principal oh, I was right. Yeah. The pr- principal campaign and fundraising organization affiliated with the United States Democratic Party. Yes. Um, held every four years, national conventions, all of that. But yeah, DNC is that. So... I guess my follow-up question to that is like, what if, is there anything that you could see in these lyrics, anything that you could see in this that's, and I know that the, the, the underlying theme of the record is very, uh, can I say general? Is yeah. that, is that improper? But very, no. the theme I mean, is very it's general. Just politics dealing corrupts. with politics corrupts and stuff like that um yeah but is there is there anything that you think you could see in those lyrics i know that they've denied it but what if like what's the argument that could be seen there do you know anything about like or have seen anything in the lyrics that would suggest anything because mm, i didn't actually look into I, that i i, I knew I that it was a make... thing but since they denied it i was like what what if it was yeah i i i didn't see anything in here maybe something um because there's no character, no narrative or anything like that, it's kind of hard to tie it to a, pers- a specific person. Maybe playing the game? Mm. I don't know. Um, where some of the lyrics here are, I'm the king in fighting competition, and the other pieces are there for my art and my tactics now. Maybe it's this sense of in- invincibility once you get to a position like the president of the United States. Mm. And also the idea of, like, I'm playing the game Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, the you're game playing the politics, game of politics. Game of politics. Right. You're, yeah. You know, you have to play the game. You have to play by their rules. Again, just the fact that Watergate was such a significant scandal and it was really big. It made the headlines. Crud, we still talk about it today. Like, it yeah. was a huge moment in, in, in political history, specifically. Yes. In our system uh, set up in the United States. So, a democratic system. So, anyways. Might be. I know we said we would keep this brief, and we've gone on way too long. Yeah, about sorry. Uh, but that's the basic concept. Okay. Uh, is that this this character at the beginning wants to change the system because it's corrupt? Because the last leader, the last king, 
was corrupt. And of course he goes through the system to make it better. And he's, you know, spat out on the other side and just as slimy and corrupt and terrible, blah, blah, blah. And the end valedictory is him talking about how this is just the way it is. Right. Um, And he is now the king and nothing has changed. It stayed the same. So kind of depressing, kind of depressing. Yeah, a little bit um, down there. A little bit down there. <laughs> that's what they, they saw it to, to be true. Um, so anyways, excellent songs, excellent compositions. Yes, no, most definitely. Um, but yeah, I know we also wanted to talk about how it compared to their first, first album. Yeah. The first album is very bluesy, and I feel like a lot of early progressive rockers, because prog rock hadn't really come out, we're kind of doing that. Um, yeah. They, they started out as, I mean, crud, we talked about last episode. With Jethro um, Tull. Kind of being Jethro that Tull, way. The whole Led Zeppelin thing. Yeah. Well, Jethro Tull, but also Led Zeppelin, where yeah. we were like, you know, they, we don't call them prog rock, but they progress and they do things differently. And, um, uh, you know, th- this Gentle Giant was definitely prog rock first starting out. Like a lot of stuff there you did not hear anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Musicianship was way above, you know, what you would, see on a lot of other just classic rock blues-based bands but compared to this record it's a lot more yeah i guess just i I, i'm just gonna say folksy and bluesy yes it has a more rooted feel to it almost kind of like jethro toll in a way that there was a lot more flutes and uh i guess more violins and stuff like that more violins this is more uh Keys, this has more keys chord and uh, absolutely that kind of thing going on which is which is a big which is a big kind of element of prog rock is keyboards mm-hmm. that's a big especially in the 70s especially in the yeah, 70s especially in the 70s when they were experimenting with a lot of different sounds um and pushing like hey we can make this sound and this one, oh that sounds weird that sounds really cool though that sounds very futuristic let's put that in here yeah they didn't have a lot of that on the first record yeah, you're right I, I find it very um impressive you know this is uh this this album came out what four years after their first this is 74 right yeah um yeah this is yes. 74 yeah, yeah. six albums six albums in four years yeah a lot of music um a yeah. lot of music that you're writing writing like this that's that's a lot of music but i find it i find that impressive i really do i find that impressive from in six albums in just 40 years they they've kind of gone from that to hear and i'm not saying that it's a and b as if they've arrived somewhere but it's just the journey that they're on oh for sure at this moment is uh it's just it's quite impressive i think just no kind of the absolutely change and, and some of the, the compositional routings that they're using and and how they're writing different parts and different instruments because like that's another thing too is that you know i'm a drummer so if i'm gonna write something i'm gonna write it on drums and you know, and I can also fake piano pretty well, so that's that's what I'm that's that's all I can really do. But I mean, imagine having kind of a melody, and it's like, well, do I do this on guitar, or yeah. do I put this on a violin? Right. What's good? <laughs> like what? Yeah. What should I do? What what instrument should I play for this? Right. There's a different element of compositional writing that's happening when you have everybody mm-hmm. who can play multiple different instruments. And so I find it to be impressive. Yeah. I really do. I think it's great. And, um, yeah. And if, if you guys haven't heard our, our episode on that, I know we d- didn't do, like I said, we haven't done a ton of history on, on the band, uh, and their formation. But if you'd like to hear more of that, you can check out the episode 17. Is that what it was? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, all right. Just make confirmed. Sure confirmed. Thank you. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I I wanted to also going back real quick to the concept. Oh yeah, just some connections, real real brief that I had heard. So at the beginning of the record, there's kind of this wind noise. There's this, yeah, you know, proclamation. Yes, at the beginning of proclamation, I was wondering. I was like, okay, from a conceptual standpoint, is that wind, or is it actually cheering and clapping from a crowd of subjects or something? That would make more sense to me, due to the political theme. You know how lots of people, when they will say like, you know, when they mimic crowds cheering, they'll be like, "Ah," you know, like kind of that whispery sound. That also kind of sounds like wind. So I was like, it could be. Uh, maybe people thought. cheering. I think it changes enough to where it's actually wind now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But it could be a crowd cheering. That would make more sense, again, due to the kind of the political theme. I also had another thought. So, you know these moments where they, it's it's very dissonant. Yes. Where they're like, where the, in proclamation and uh, valedictory where they go, Hey, and they slide up. Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like a mistake. Like, that doesn't sound good because they're sliding up as if to be corrected. And I was like, okay, conceptually, maybe it's supposed to signify the people bending to the will of the ruler, no matter how unnatural or uncomfortable it Mm. seems. Maybe it sounds like like they're, they're, they're being forced to climb up to a different vocal register reflecting like in a conceptual sense, being coerced by the powers above them to change to a way that fits the system that of the powers that be. That was just an idea I had that I thought was that's, interesting. That's pretty great, actually, Drew. That's yay. That's pretty great. Destin likes my idea. <laughs> you know, there's another thing too. I mean, if, if you're thinking about kind of putting the some of the political power or stuff like that, some of the themes and the concepts of the music, think about so sincere. Think about the title of that and think about how ridiculously chaotic the song is. Mm-hmm. Almost almost as like it's sarcastic in a way. Right. Like They're so maybe, sincere. Yeah. 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 Almost almost maybe a little bit of sarc underlying sarcasm there. Yeah. A little bit of snark there. A little bit of snark there. A little bit of uh I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. other adjectives. I can't. Uh, I mean, no, that's good. I lost it. I lost the adjective. But uh, yeah, there's other there's there's little things like that that you could pick out of the music. I thought that's that's pretty brilliant, actually. Uh, not my anyway. not my comment. I'm talking about your comment. Um, oh no 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 no! I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. That was just a little note I had that I thought was was interesting. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I, I really had to say. This was a, a very loose episode. Yeah, Our a lot of, lot of little not small small things. Like to say small. <laughs> yeah, I know. I see what you did. Yeah, there. yeah, you like that little arcane uh, atlas I, reference. I, I, gu- I guess I, I would wrap this up. You used to. And it's been a long time. You used to. In why should someone listen to this album? Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, used to yeah. end episodes that way. Yeah. Even though we've kind you of like listen- sum up. Even though we've basically been talking about for the last hour or so, but it's kind of the, well. It's kind but of what's the, the summary? The, it's kind of the close the book. Yeah. Right. What's the conclusion here? You, if you're, if you are already interested in progressive rock, you should listen to this. You. Sh- should not dive into the pool with this record. I don't think if you have not listened to progressive rock before, most of the people who listen to the show are already very familiar with progressive rock and this band, but maybe they're more, but maybe they're more familiar with modern prog rock and they don't know old prog rock. Sure. I would highly, highly encourage you very much strongly, not highly strongly encourage you to check out this record. 
I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I'm going to put this on my top 10. This is like one of the albums I'm going to listen to every single day before I die. No, and not in my opinion. But there is so much here to dissect and to digest, and there's a lot to really enjoy. And it is true progressive rock. That's one of the the big quotable moments Yeah, for me. A yeah. quote from me. I'm quoting myself. Quoting yourself. Say, <laughs> no, seriously, though. This is true progressive rock, whether you really enjoy it or not. Yeah, that's true. This has all the elements. Yeah, this has good. all the elements of prog rock. Yeah. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, but I would not recommend to a newbie. Right. You could definitely close the book on that right there. So before we close, though, I got two I got two <laughs> things that I wanna that I wanted to to share with everybody. Um, you know, this band ended in 1980. Their 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 career, Gentle Giants career spanned from 1970 to 1980. And so uh they're still around and they're still doing stuff. What are they doing? Well, here's it's it's actually quite interesting, especially Derek. What Derek has done since Gentle Giant is is quite incredible. I think he he worked his way to becoming the vice president at Polygram Records, where so he get into he got into a little of the music business side of things, where he signed not only Bon Jovi, but Tears for Fears and Men Without Hats. Wow! The guy from Gentle That's Giant, hilarious, signed those bands. Later, I can dig it. It's great, right? Later. He became the president at Adco Records, which is a subsidiary uh, of Warner Communications. I, think. I was about to say, I thought that was Warner. Yeah, yeah, of Warner, um, where he signed ACDC, Bad Company, and yep. Pantera. Wow! Right? I just, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. what the heck? All of them, which I think all of them went platinum or multi-platinum. I mean, those are big yeah. bands. Um, yeah, yeah. And here's the here's the biggest one. He also signed Dream Theater at Adco. Whoa! I know. I'm like what the what the heck? He was also the music the, man. I know this guy was the uh, shoot. The, he was the president and CEO of Roadrunner Records in New York City. Very Whoa. big, yeah, very big one. Um, which they have, they got rock oriented artists. Like I think they got like Slipknot, some bands like some bands like that. Typo Negative. I think they got some bands like that. Um, and then after that, he he was the president of OMA or OMA Records, whatever. Um, let's see here. Other bands signed by Derek include World Trade, uh, which was uh, Billy Sherwood's band before he joined Yes. Uh, in 2006, Derek became the president of his own record label. So, like, he's had so much experience. Now, he's just off doing his own thing. DRT yeah. Entertainment. He's currently co-founder of 2 Plus Music and Entertainment. He also co-produced the Yes spinoff, Arc of Life, in 2020. And also, he has two children, Noah and Yale. And they're also active in the video and film industries. Like they're all like kind of in that. Whole all thing. creatives. All creatives. Yep. Isn't that nuts? And then here's the other thing too. Ray, I didn't find a whole lot on Ray or Phil for that matter. Um, but Ray, this is crazy. I may link this in our Discord. I, I will link this in our Discord. If you haven't joined our Discord, come and check this out. He released two 12-inch vinyl records under the pseudonym Head Doctor. Okay? Which is hmm. techno. Ray, Ray Shulman released two vinyl records. Techno records. Of techno. Yeah. Wow. I found it on YouTube. I'll link it in the Discord for everybody who wants to listen to it. That's I, spectacular. It's pretty amazing. Ray Shulman of Gentle Giant did a techno record. I'm like, this is so great. And then there's some other notes before we close. Uh, Steven Wilson, you know, he's got he's got to have his hand oh, in yeah. everything. 
Um, he does. He remixed this album and released it on July 18th, uh-huh. 2014. The version that we're listening uh-huh. to on this show is the original version. But I have to say, his remix is probably better than the original, in my personal opinion. I think it's great. I don't think that he changed anything. He just elevated it a little bit. It also, on the remix that you can buy now, it's got like a package. It included an animated video of the themes of this album. I did my absolute best to try and find it because I thought it was going to give some great context into this, into this episode. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find it. Hmm. So somebody's going to have to buy it and let me know. Uh, And then on July 15th, 2020, midst of COVID, fans from around the world did a cover along with the band of Proclamation. Yeah, pretty cool. Really neat. Pretty neat. Very really, neat stuff. Yeah, really neat. It was the winner of the uh, event of the year by Prague Magazine, so you can literally just go and look that up on YouTube. It's worth watching, I think, especially because it's if you're a lot of different people, a lot of different, a lot people, of different, tons people. of different people, including people from the band that are playing some of these parts. I think Derek is even doing some of the like the very first verse lines, which is really cool because you know. I mean, they haven't played together since the 80s. So they haven't released anything since 1980. So it was really cool to kind of see them all on the same screen together and and stuff like that. But it's worth watching. It's worth watching. But yeah, Power and the Glory by Gentle Giant. So we would like to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes on the power and the glory. Mm -hmm. Um, The strength and the honor. Uh Progressive um, rock notes. Progressive rock notes. <laughs> Shoot. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, you learned something maybe new from this episode, please subscribe. There are plenty of ways that you guys can support the show. If you'd like, you can become a special prognotes patron. You can become our patron at patreon.com slash prognotes to get act- access to some extra benefits that we'd like to offer to you guys. Um, but also, sharing it, leaving us a review on the episode, w- w- all of those things, just liking it, sharing it on Instagram, all of what, whatever it is, all of those really help out the algorithm to get the podcast to more people, which that's kind of the design of this show is that we're trying to share progressive rock to a more modern audience um, on a podcast in a podcast format. So if you'd like to help us do that, if you'd like to help us share more progressive rock, you can do that many ways. You can support us financially. You could just hit a share button. You can hit the five stars on Apple Podcasts if you really, really like our show or leave us a review, whatever, whatever you'd like. But also, if you can't do any of that, just listening to the show also supports us. You can also join our Discord server, chat community. Like I said, for all prog rock fans and fans of the show, you can check the episode description to join. Before we close, though, Drew, tell us what the next record we're checking out. Next episode is going to be Ocean Machine Biomech by Devin Townsend. Haven't listened to any Devin Townsend yet. No idea. Yep. Going in blind. Going in blind. Voted on. Yeah, it's going to be great. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. See you on Discord. Oh, yeah, and here's that cover of So Sincere by myself. Thanks. See you guys soon.